Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever it is that you're listening to us, we want to thank you in advance. We as fans have always appreciated your input as fellow fans. When you're happy, we're happy. When you're upset, we are too. But sometimes we're just a little bit more honest. We are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. You can find us on Twitter at Bastards underscore Boston. I am your host, Charlie Smith, coming to you from Providence, Rhode Island. You can find me on Twitter at Smith underscore MLB. Our other hosts for this episode are Terry Cushman coming to us from Myrtle Beach in South Carolina by way of Wyndham Maine, and Cody Paulson coming to us from Houston, Texas by way of Ponte Vedra. Terry, how are you doing and where can the fans find you? They can find me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. And uh, glad to be back. Kind of sucked sitting on the sidelines, not being able to see much baseball. Lots of driving. I think the drive up to Maine took uh, just under 17 hours. It was 16 hours and 51 minutes on the way up. I went to the game on Friday only for it to be rained out. Um, Had some dinner with some friends, drank a huge 32-ounce beer, and then uh, early the next morning drove home, and that took 15 hours from Boston, so... Um, just kind of glad to be back in the normal routine. I got to see games three and four uh, on TV. I heard the others uh, on the radio. Actually, I did see uh, Kenley's meltdown um, in the ninth when it was tied up. So uh, Red Sox uh, get their butts kicked uh, by Tampa again. Uh, Red Sox won game one and then proceeded to drop the next three games straight. They only scored a combined five runs in that game. They are last place right now with an even 500 record, 30 wins, 30 losses, 12 games back from the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, The Blue Jays now have a little bit of a cushion in fourth place over us. Uh, And uh, the Yankees have been playing better as of late as well. So, starting to get a little bit ugly in the American League East for the Boston Red Sox. It absolutely is. And before we begin, Cody, how are you doing and where can the fans find you on Twitter? Hey, everybody. The fans can find me at the Cody Paulson. I mean, Terry's just rip-roaring, ready to go. He's, he's you know, back into the swing of things. We've definitely missed him here on the pod. It's good to have him back. Um, you know, it's a real bummer that you got rained out on Friday. Uh, you know, Fenway's a special place, and any chance you can get to, to just be in the mix is is always a good time. You got to give it a, at least the the old college try to catch a game. Um, but yeah, you know, it was it was a tough weekend. Obviously, watch baseball. Maybe a drive would have been uh, preferable to to some of the the gaps that we had on the field. But you know, we'll break it down here. We'll talk to uh, about it. Give our honest takes. And uh, Charlie, how are you doing? You know, no complaints um, other than this is a really difficult series when, you know, you're really hoping that the luck can continue swinging your way. Reality sets in where now you're starting to see the luck go the other way. And it's it's not close when you get outscored by a lot to a little in the last three games. We only scored five runs and you're just not going to be able to win games when you put up a one or a two spot period. So tough way to end the series. As Terry mentioned, you know, we're back to 530 and 30 after 60 games, but hopefully something that we can, you know, turn the page on and start doing a little bit better because we know how good Tampa Bay is. When we, when we did what we did in the first game, 
Um, admittedly so, I thought, wow, we, we kind of overperformed in this one, but are we going to win another one in the series and at least split it? We, we could not. So it was like you, you went all in on game one and blew the next three. It just, everything that could have gone wrong in the, the last, you know, couple games were outside of a couple moments. It was, it was pretty much just destruction. You know, our, our team's just getting pieced one, one thing at a time and, more bad news that we're going to continue talking about when we start off with our duds, as we did not win the series, as Terry was mentioning earlier. Uh, Cody, why don't you lead us off with your dud for this series? Yeah, my overall take on this series wasn't necessarily that we got, you know, like methodically pieced apart by this Tampa Bay team, right? You know, uh, game one was pretty ugly there for a long time. Obviously, we had that big six-run ending that kind of flipped the script and we were able to close that one out or I guess, you know, game two with the game one postponement. Uh, but Tampa's is too good of a team to give, continuously give them those extra chances, right? And those really kind of are what came to bite us back uh, in, in the end, right? You know, additional outs or Little League home runs or errors here or, you know, loose balls there. Uh, so, you know, I, I Tampa definitely played better than we did this, this series. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, the better team definitely won. And you kind of saw the gap in between the two teams there. So, when I was looking at uh, the games and, and kind of like the performances, it was hard to pick necessarily a dart, right? Normally when we go through these, um, you know, players will certainly stand out as like, hey, this guy was, you know, a real zero in the box score or, you know, inhibited our team from from winning. But, um, you know, as, as we kind of go through these duds, I don't want it to seem like we're harping on a certain player as like the turning point or the linchpin or the reason that we lost these series. You know, it kind of was an unfortunate team effort. Uh, with all that being said, Josh Winkowski um, gets the um, unfortunate honor of being my dud for the series. And it's a little bit larger than just this one game performance, right? You know, pitched one inning, um, had, you know, three hits, one earned run, and uh, one strikeout. Um, sorry, my my screen blipped there. I, I thought I lost you guys. Um so, like, the performance in of itself wasn't catastrophic, right? It wasn't the reason that we lost the game. But this this is a player that has been trending kind of in the opposite direction. You know, uh, on the season, he's got great st- excuse me, great statistics, great peripherals. Uh, you know, 21 games, two saves, 35 innings, 27 strikeouts, a whip just over one. But those last seven games, man, he's starting to get hit around a little bit more. You're starting to see the walks and hits per inning um, climb up to 1.5. And it's just a lot of traffic on the base paths. He's not striking guys out as often as he used to. You know, this used to be a guy that when you come in and be like, all right, cool. You know, we're we're in a little bit of a jam. He's going to be able to get us out of it or at the very least limit the damage. And now it's a little bit more of a wild card, which is really unfortunate um, as the bullpen we had been kind of leaning on as a pillar of strength uh, for this team construction. Um, you know, could it be that they're overused? Who knows? Uh, we have been kind of taxing the bullpen a bit as as the starting rotation ha- was finding its footing. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit as well. Um, but he is the dud for me. Terry. Yeah, so I've been equally as concerned with Winkowski uh, over the past uh, couple weeks. He's starting to look more and more vulnerable. And... Uh, Many of us were getting more and more comfortable with him being used in high leverage, you know, particularly in the seventh inning. And he's just been getting slapped around. I mean, in the Red Series, he gave up a critical. It was like a two or three home run, kind of basically, um, you know, 
gave gave the game to the Reds, and then he comes in uh, game one. That uh, was the only time he was utilized in this four game set, but gets a ground out right away to Yandy Diaz. Good way to start the inning, but then. Wanda Franco uh, doubled on him. Brandon Lau, who's having a phenomenal year with the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, hit a single. Strikes out uh, a Rosarina, but then, um, but then Harold Ramirez, uh, who torched us a couple of times, um, you know, singled on a ground ball to center, and that drove in Franco and and. Um, he gave up his run there, but it just wasn't a very good inning. I, I don't know if he's too much over the plate. Um, and, you know, that's just the reason he's he's getting slapped around. But the mystery kind of remains. Who is Josh Winkowski? I mean, he basically failed as a starting pitcher. We saw that last year. And expectations for him weren't low this year. I I don't think any of us really penciled him into a rotation spot and, you know, spring training rolls around and he looked very viable as, as a reliever. And now I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully this is just a blip and, you know, he gets it together. He starts getting guys out and our bullpen will be much better, but we're starting to look really mortal (laughs) in the bullpen. I mean, who do you trust right now? Who's the highest on your trust tree? Cuz for me it's Chris Martin. You know, Kenley looked really good uh in in this same game that Winkowski pitched. Uh came into the ninth, struck out the side and then uh basically blew the game. It was a tie game in game 2. Uh gave up two earned runs in the ninth, which basically gave the win to Tampa. So I just, I don't know who I like. And I checked for an update on John Schreiber. No, no updates there. Uh, I, I think if he had at least started working out, we would be getting those reports. So not sure there's a timetable for him. He's been a critical piece. So I, it's the, this, our, weather forecast for our entire pitching staff right now very ominous wink has actually pitched pretty poorly in five of his last seven starts he's actually given up two three and four hits in five of those last seven he's given up three or more in four so Cody already talked about the fact that he didn't do well against Cincinnati he didn't do great against Arizona got destroyed against St. Louis didn't do great against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, St. Louis are probably the only two teams you have a maybe excuse. Those are teams that are really, really good. All the other ones, you really don't have any. The mystery, like you mentioned, is is still very much there. I don't know where I'd want to have him. I don't think I trust him as a starter. I don't think he's even remotely close to earned any trust. Would I rather have him or Corey Kluber? I guess him. And that's not a really strong vote of confidence. So... I, I don't know. Like he's had a really rough month of May. If you look at the numbers, it's not it's not pretty at all. He did great in the month of April. Only had really one blip appearance, and that was it. And in the month of May, it's been a completely different story. And June is it's not really turning out to be any any different. Grant's only been a couple of appearances, but I mean it's 
it's kind of like when when everyone's missing, we're all missing, and when the team's doing well, they're doing well. It, it coincidentally in games that he pitches, we usually end up winning. Not saying that he's the reason why we win, but he comes in games where there's not much risk. He's coming in in games where you know you're winning seven to two, six to one, nine to four, five to seven, four, eight five, eight two. There's no risk involved. I don't know if they really trust Winkowski in a game that is crucial or in a moment or situation that's crucial, because if you're giving up two or three hits and you're coming in potentially with one runner on and you're being trusted to preserve a lead, I don't think anyone gun to their head can say, yeah, Josh Winkowski, get that done. He's shown none of us that he can handle that. So I don't know. I mean, I, that expression, the jury's still out. We don't know. We still don't know who he is, and he's been here for a couple of years now. So, I don't know. A- anything else that you wanted to add, Cody? I mean, I think he's a far cry from uh, a split decision between him and Corey Kluber. You know, that might be a little dramatic. Uh, you know, this guy has at least built up some favor within the fan base this season alone. You know, I, I don't disagree that the jury's still out and he's still a little bit of an unknown commodity a couple of years into his career with us. But, you know, Corey Kluber has has yet to really put together even a couple of good outings. I think he had one good start. And and outside of that, he's he's kind of been beating around the ball yard a little bit. Uh, Winkowski's at least, you know, had a good enough start to the season to where he could have this rough stretch and still have an ERA in the low twos and a whip you know, close to, to one, right? I mean, like you have to have enough appearances that are solid to, to be able to levy or, you know, keep the boat buoyant um, as, as you kind of go through these growing pains. Just real quick, um, you know, the Bluminati loves to, you know, earlier in the season point out that, you know, Winkowski's pitching so well, Heim totally won the Benintendi trade, but... But then, you know, the value goes down, you know, people sell their shares on that and suddenly the trade doesn't look good. So I just wanted to point that out. Shout out to the Bluminati. And Benny does not look good this year. Well, he's no, no. And he's been up and down as well. But I, I think that might just be more symptomatic of who the White Sox are uh, this yeah. season as well. Well, was, it, it is a bummer because we obviously always want to see Benny do well, regardless of. Right. But that was what five for seventy-five. Yeah, the contract looking not great. That's hurting. But so, just to give you guys, uh, you know, just to point out how bad the White Sox were doing, we're all in the same fantasy league, us three. I had to make the tough decision, and I'm not being facetious here. Do I do I release Tristan Casas from my team, who I've held on to for a couple of years, or do I get rid of Tim Anderson and then watch him go off and somebody else pick him up? I dropped Casas and not Anderson, but that Chicago team, not doing good. I think what Benintendi, Casas, and Anderson have combined for zero home runs over 500 plate appearances or something like that this year. Have they? Wow. Yeah, they're they're pretty. But I mean, rough. it's it's indicative, like you said, of of the White Sox as a team right now. They are, I think, you know, a preseason favorite that is just not living up to the hype. I think. Yeah, I, I had them br- missing the playoffs, but, but anyway. My- uh, for the record, for those that are wondering about how our fantasy league is doing, uh, Terry is currently getting crushed. 
by uh, Cody right now, Thir- uh, 17 to two. But it is only. <laughs> I only had one player in my lineup, I think, literally. Yeah, t- Terry hasn't also pitched yet. So there is yeah. that. No, let's wrap it up. Let's call it curtains. <laughs> uh, Cody, why don't you hit us with your. Uh, sorry, uh, Terry, why don't you hit us with your dud for the series? It's my dud. Uh, some people are going to think I'm being facetious here, um, but I am. My dud for the series is not even a person. It's uh, it's a thing which I st- uh, which makes it a noun still, but uh, my dud for the series is Chris Sale's shoulder. <laughs> Chris Sale's shoulder is uh, is my dud, um, and he didn't even he wasn't even slated to pitch. But we we have to talk about this. So not having Chris Sale as a guy that's going every fifth day is a season ender to me. Like you can't, I, I already thought we were probably screwed anyway with, with Kluber not panning out with Pavetta, not panning out. Uh, we still don't know what Cutter Crawford is. Um, so it, it's just a mess. And is Whitlock and Paxton going to stay healthy? Or are they going to join him uh, on the injured list? Uh, you know, it's, it's all fair questions, but now that you've removed Chris sale, it's it's over. This season is over. You could trade for Corbin Burns, give up a massive haul of prospects, and that's not going to be enough. That's not going to be enough to save this season. That's how bad we were. And I preached sustainability all winter long, and we're seeing exactly how unsustainable this rotation was now sale was pulled from i think it was the final game of the red series i think in the third or fourth inning um had some mris done on it uh on friday and they never really got specific with the results of the mri they just said that they he was going to undergo more testing uh, over the course of the next week, and by late this week, um, you know we'll have a better idea of how much time he's going to miss. So they didn't they didn't confirm or deny that there's damage to his shoulder. So I'm going to boldly assume that there's something that was somewhat concerning with that MRI, and. I think absolute best case scenario, and I got the Whitlock thing wrong. I thought he was going to miss some serious time. It, it ended up being a few weeks, but absolute best case scenario with Chris Sale, he's probably going to miss four to eight weeks, and more likely than not, probably the remainder of the season uh, is is where I think this is trending. And a lot of people over the winter, I mean, expectations weren't high for Chris Sale, I, I think, largely amongst the fan base. He was untradeable. You couldn't even give him away. So, he, but he he rose those expectations with, you know, several starts in a row. I, I don't know how many he's had, but he, he had six or seven, at least, very good quality starts, helped us win games showed flashes of himself, was hitting 98 on the gun at times. Um, was His fastball was more formidable. He was locating it better, uh, you know, perhaps better than he had since 2018. And his slider, he was getting guys out, and he looked like the Chris Sale of old. But even though he had a fully rebuilt elbow, 
He did not have a fully rebuilt shoulder. That's still the same shoulder that's had all the wear and tear it's had throughout his whole career. And 2018, in that playoff run, that was a shoulder issue. That's why he didn't look good in any of his starts. I think he lost two out of his three starts. He was able to grind his way um, against the Yankees in the ALDS. Red Sox won that game. I think he still gave up like four or five runs, but... But Red Sox won that game. They did not win the two other games he started. Uh, that was also the infamous belly button uh, infection. You know, I, I don't remember if it, there were reports or if it was speculation, but he he definitely went to the hospital and, and may or may not, like I said, I, I don't have the information up, have taken too much, you know, ibuprofen or whatever. And, um, you know and ended up uh, getting treatment for that. Uh, and then what was the other shoulder thing? Oh, yeah, yeah, and this time around, his velocity was down in his start before the Red Series. Velocity was down, and the Bluminati on cue was like, he's got a stomach bug. He was literally drinking Pedialyte in the dugout. And then, you know, as we later found out, it looked like it was a shoulder bug. So, um, you know is what it is. I'm not surprised. This is why my expectations were low. I didn't think he would get hurt this soon with that type of an injury. Typically, that's a second half of the season thing, but um, not surprised. And I definitely think the season is over, uh, you know. Cody, anything you want to add to Terry? Yeah. Um, you know, there were a bevy of different reports that came out, you know, as, as Chris Sale was getting those tests done and, you know, Alex Cora was going to talk to the, to the reporters and then Chris Sale was going to talk at, you know, 615 or whatever it ended up being. I, I think it was like right before one of the games and we were all waiting on pins and needles, right? Is this, you know, going to be a retirement or is he going to announce that he's, you know, getting shoulder replacement surgery or, you know, we were all going into a little bit of a tailspin. We were spiraling because, you know. He had shown glimpses of the Chris Hale of old. Charlie was serving crow to Terry like you wouldn't believe on all the podcasts, man. We were we were eating it up, right? Because this was great. You know, he was striking guys out again. He was having efficient innings. And I think the thing that just struck me the most was like what you could hear in his voice as he was talking about it, right? When he was talking with the reporters, you could just tell like how gutted he was. Um, this wasn't, you know, a freak accident. This wasn't him, you know sabotaging his own bicycle doing something crazy right it was just like he was going out there he was doing his thing and his body i guess gave up on him um if i remember correctly he said it was something different than you know what he was having and what he was facing in 2018 which gives us a little bit of hope and a little bit of you know um positivity i'm, I'm guessing i don't know but this guy's a competitor. I mean, he's going to do everything that he can to to get back and to be right. And, you know, all we can do is just hope that it isn't uh, a season-ending injury, right? Because, you know, Terry made a great point. This rotation kind of goes as as he goes. When it was sale day, he could be a stopper. He could be an ace. He could be whatever, you know, kind of the rotation needed. We had a guy that we could put up as a 1-1 against somebody else's ace and know that, you know, he's going to keep you in a game and, uh, you know, put up zeros uh, at, a, at a rate that – an opponent could, and we, you know, kind of don't have that on the rotation anymore. Um, it's a, it's, it's definitely a real bummer, but, um, you know, the lack of clarity coming out of that medical imaging testing and all that stuff definitely does not lead, uh, a, 
a lot of confidence um, with a guy that has been oft injured um, as, as unfortunate as it is. And, you know, I just, I hope that he's in an okay uh, headspace because, you know, he's done a lot of rehab. He's done a lot of work on himself to get back to a point in which he was still, you know, that, that ace of old. And um, it was just nice to see for the time that we had it. Whether or not Chris Sale ends up coming back this year still remains to be um, one of those questions that's unanswered. We still don't know what the status is. The fact that they haven't really been very clear leads me to believe that four to eight weeks is probably what it's going to look like, and he'll probably end up pitching in four to eight weeks. But I don't want anyone to sit here and pretend like the Red Sox were contenders. We were out of the division by week three. There was one team that felt like they couldn't even buy a loss. They were so goddamn good. We were already done. We're still the only division with every single team, 500 or better. We have the most difficult division, period. At this point, it doesn't matter if Chris Taylor comes back. We are never going to come in first or second. We're 12 games out of first place. We're 12 games out. Chris Sale, it pains me that Chris Sale went down because there's always that opportunity because Lord knows I was giving it to everybody, especially Terry, when it came to Chris Sale. It sucks that the tables have turned and I now have to say, damn it, now here it comes. Because if Chris Sale doesn't come back for the rest of the year, I have to sweep all of those really nice comments away. And I really don't want to have to do that. I hope he comes back win or lose and tries to do the best he possibly can because he's getting paid a dumb amount of money. The fact of the matter is his shoulder just, it just is not, it's not what it used to be. I believe he was throwing, was it 93.2, which is like 1.3, 1.4 miles per hour less than what he typically was throwing or the past two starts in relation to that. And he wasn't even pitching poorly. He was able to locate pitches. Things were going great, but he felt something wrong. And that's that's what ultimately did him in. It it sucks that we've come to this point because I kept telling myself, this is the year, this is the year, this is the year. Chris Hill comes back and he's going to be healthy. This this sucks, but Terry Terry's absolutely right. If, if you didn't already think that the season was over before, this is a game set match. Cody, tennis reference just for you. This is a nail in the coffin reference for literally anybody else. We're 30 and 30. We have a rotation that literally you could probably write in using crayon. You don't even know who's going to pitch. And we're probably not going to give a quality start based on what we've been able to put together right now. It's, it's, not, it's not been pretty and it's about to get, I think, ugly, especially if Chris Sale's not going to be here. Uh, Terry, since he was your dad, anything else you wanted to uh, add? Or, excuse me, your body part? I just, what's this rotation going to look like in a month? You know, it, what, James Paxton is our ace. Like, we agree on that. I mean, he's he's your he's your best starting pitcher for as long as he can stay healthy. Same age as Chris Sale hasn't had uh, you know a consistent workload in in four years. So I, I just where do you go if he goes down? Then you got Bayo and Whitlock. Those are your one and two. However you want to arrange them. This is this is bad. This is extremely bad. And 
I, I probably shouldn't say this, but uh, I'm still going to. In between the doubleheaders, Hein Bloom was like, he was literally very humbly, I might add, um, helping the the stadium crew clean up before the second game started. <laughs> I'm like, man, he's finding like pieces of his rotation in his bullpen out there. <laughs> like that's he's got that's what he's got to be finding as he's helping clean up. But uh, so uh, the it was a fun ride. <laughs> It was a fun ride, and it's fun to watch a couple guys in our lineup, but it's over. It is over. We are Audi 5000. So we – I said this on the last show, and uh, this was with Cody, Nick, and myself, and I said I think that pitchers should be able to get a little bit more time depending on how many pitches they've thrown. I think that would potentially – alleviate some of the issues not all of the issues but some of them because there is a direct correlation you can't deny that there's a correlation between pitchers having to throw uh with less time in between pitches because they've become very accustomed to throwing a pitch getting like 20 to 30 seconds and throwing another one 20 to 30 seconds throwing another whatever some are very very quick others are not but Scott Boris said we should extend uh, the total roster from, you know, whatever, 26 to 28 or 29, whatever. And that's all going to be pitchers. It's not going to be hitters. It's going to be pitchers because they're dropping at an alarmingly high rate. I don't remember this many pitchers in Major League Baseball going down. Granted, some of the names are the same. You're still seeing the Jacob DeGroms, the Chris Sales. Um, Steven Strasburg may not even pitch ever again. Like that was another article that came out recently. The, the like ferociousness of their like arm angle and just delivery. It's not, it's not working. So pitchers have got to figure out something else, develop another pitch or something because Strauss, when he was in the league, when he first started guy was lights out electric gets a ridiculous contract and has not been able to stay healthy probably will never pitch again. I don't think he's ever going to pitch again. And that's sad. So I don't know if the Nationals took out an insurance policy, but if I'm not mistaken, he's due every penny of that deal, which is absolutely mental, life-changing amount of money. That That's going to go down as one of the worst contracts of all time. Forget about like the last 10 years, you know, the Pablo Sandoval's, the David Price's. David Price pitched. Strasburg is done. So it hurts to see so many pitchers going down when maybe there's something we can do. Maybe there's not. But either way, we've got to try to figure out something that we can do to help the pitchers. If you throw more than 50, 55 pitches, I think you should get an extra three to four seconds per pitch. Just something to be able to give the pitchers a little bit more time to recover. Anything to keep pitchers in the game because guess what your product is garbage not the red sox i'm talking about baseball as a whole your product is garbage if the best names in baseball aren't able to play the fact that jacob Degrom is in pitching is bad for baseball the fact that chris sales in pitching is bad for baseball steven strasburg out of baseball is bad for baseball the list goes on and on so if there's something that we can do to help the pitchers I absolutely think it's necessary that we look into those options or avenues 
to alleviate the number of, of men going down because this is insane. I mean, it literally is insane. Chris Hill's not going to be the last pitching injury for the Red Sox. We've already had like five or six this year. So it's not going to stop all of a sudden because it's June 5th. We're not even halfway through the year. We're 60 games at the year. We still have 102 games left. We're probably going to lose another 15 to 20 guys before the year is over for an extended period of time. 25% of those injuries are probably going to be all Christian Arroyo. You're probably going to lose Chris Sale again at least once. You're probably going to lose Whitlock at least once. Kenley may be out for a little bit. It just It's not going to stop. And we really haven't done a really good job of trying to prevent those issues or injuries from popping up. I mean, Major League Baseball as a whole, it, it's it's a joke. We've done nothing to help pitchers. Nothing more to add? No. Cool. Done. Because I can keep going. Uh, my, uh, my dud for this series was Tanner Houck. Um, on a night where there were probably a couple other options that we could have gone with. I decided to go with Tanner on this one. I was really hoping that he was going to be able to build on a start that he had a couple weeks ago. Um, but Tanner just has not been able to really uh, pick it back up from his last real like stud performance against the Angels. He's kind of thrown back-to-back clunkers, four runs allowed in both of the last two games. Uh, this one in particular, four runs on five hits, four walks, six strikeouts in five innings. That's back-to-back bad performances, and if you want to look back, that's five out of the last six or six of the last seven, seven of the last eight, and his ERA is starting to go back up again. So you have an ERA at five and a half, but then again, here you are asking yourself, if Tanner Houck isn't pitching, then who else do you put in there? Chris Sale is injured. Who else do you put in there? We're running out of options because we don't have any options. Meanwhile, you got Nate Evaldi and Michael Waka, who each got pitcher of the month, pitching for different teams, arguably fantastic pitchers this year. Nate Evaldi's pitching out of his damn mind and is one of the best pitchers in the American League, arguably baseball. So it really hurts when you're seeing some of your former players do superb, but it is what it is. We've, we're at this point now. I, I don't know how anyone can say and look at this team and say, yes, we're a contender given the injuries. It's just, it's not going to happen. Unfortunately, I like Tanner Houck. I think he does belong in the rotation. He's, he needs more time, but he was my dud for this series. Cody, if you'd like to weigh in first. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a stellar performance, and I think the big issue there is the four walks, right? I mean, Tampa Bay is going to get their hits. Um, I mean, you saw it even today against Bayo, right? You know, we we got those two robbed home runs, which was great to see. But then they scored three runs on balls that had exit velocities under 90 miles an hour. Right. Seeing eye singles. And that's what Tampa is going to do. And you can't put additional base runners on base and you can't boot it around the yard the way that the Red Sox were doing it all weekend. So, you know, I think it's a little bit of a double edged sword here. Um, You know, how kind of got burned by his defense, but he also didn't do himself any any favors. Um, I will push back a little bit on the Evaldi talk. This is something that I've seen across Red Sox Twitter often. You know, every time we have a bad out, and they're like, well, look how great Evaldi's doing. It's like, okay, we gave this guy the qualifying offer. We offered him a multi-year deal at a higher AAV than he signed for. He said no to both of those, went and tested the market, didn't get the deal that he wanted, came back to the Red Sox, who had already spent the money on Massa and Kenley, and then he signed with the Rangers. So I don't know what the Red Sox are supposed to do in this scenario, right? And we keep saying, like, oh, it'd be great to have Evaldi. It would have been great. We offered him. We tried to get him. We did all the things that we could do to have Evaldi on this team, and he said no. So I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to keep hearing this rhetoric of like, well, it's a, you know, it really, you know, grinds my gears to see him pitching well in, uh, in, in Texas. I didn't say Excuse that. Me. 
I'm not say saying you did, but okay. we always get linked to Avaldi's performances in Texas. Like we were the ones that say, hey, Nate, we don't want your services here. You can go take whatever you did for the team. Thank you for 2018 and shove it. We're going to go sign Corey Kluber or we're going to go, you know, give the maximum to some other scrub bum pitcher. We did the due diligence to keep Nate Avaldi on this team. He made his decisions and we need to drop that narrative. We as Red Sox Nation, we as Red Sox Twitter, I'm not I'm not singling out any single person here. It's just becoming a really old story. Now, if we want to talk about Michael Waka, an entirely different scenario. We did not do the same diligence by him. We did not give him the same opportunities to be a, a pitcher on, on the Red Sox. And we have long talked about why didn't we be a little bit more competitive in the market? And the guy has clearly performed out in San Diego in a ballpark that is not exactly pitcher friendly. Um, so, you know, that we're, we're getting away from, from how performance this weekend, right? He had some good stuff at the beginning. He stumbled a little bit. And then, you know, the wheels kind of came off with the inside the park home run as, you know, we booted in the outfield, we threw it to the wrong person, and then we weren't, we weren't kind of hitting our spots. So it, it's, it's a real bummer to kind of see him, um, you know, maybe Sale uh, in his extended absence here can, can work with them, right? When how came up, he was touted as, as the righty Sale, and they kept putting up that, that image excuse me, of how from the right side and, and sail phone from the left side. And it looked like two ambidextrous pictures. So, you know, maybe they can work together and figure out something that'll allow how to miss some more, um, excuse me, miss some more bats and, and get some more uh, strikeouts and reduce those walks. Right. Cause when sale was going well, he was hyper efficient. He wasn't walking guys. And, you know, if we can get those walks down for how we're going to be able to keep them deeper into the game too, we're going to keep that pitch count down. And I believe Charlie would like to, to add something here, but, Oh, he, he's unfrozen. All right, Charlie, what do you got? No, no, no. Yeah, no. I mean, here, like, I, I'll say this much. We'll never boo Nate Evaldi. Terry and I That's got fair. to see Nate Evaldi pitch. Had one of the worst career appearances ever. It was still an awesome game to see because at least it was, you know, you, you got to see. It was actually awesome for other reasons. Um, Terry and I watched this kid be a complete moron, almost get absolutely dropped. Terry, I'm sure you remember that. I saved that kid's life. Um, but here's the thing. I think you're absolutely right. Red Sox Nation will never drop certain narratives. Nasty Nate, not you know, not staying in Boston is going to continue being a narrative that some people say. When I say it sucks to see them play, it's just I'm just saying it sucks because he's doing great for someone else. I'm not angry at him. I hold no angry feelings towards him. I will never boo Nate Evaldi. Um, I will never, you know, boo Michael Waka, but like he was here for a cup of coffee. That's literally it. I don't even know what the Red Sox offered Michael Waka to stay in Boston. He definitely didn't get the qualifying offer. The deal that he got was it was like four years and 18 or four years and, and 22 or 23 million, something like that. It was like a joke offer, a joke deal. That one annoys me because I'm curious if the Red Sox didn't even think he was worth that. Were you really rolling the dice that much because of? Of that, like, I, I, that, that's that, that's that part. I want just that part. The second thing, because you talked about the walks, big deal, huge. Yep. Month of May, he walked seven guys in five starts. Seven. He walked four in the first appearance. So it's like the month of April all over again, where we're not. There was something that I talked about recently. I don't remember which episode. If you tell me it was one or not the other, I would say sure because I can't remember. Purpose pitches. You cannot afford to throw non-purpose pitches anymore. You just can't, especially when you have pitchers that once they're at 65, 70 pitches, they're pretty much done. 
So you can't afford to throw garbage pitches. If you do, you're done after three or four innings, and that's it. And you're of no use to us, period. I hate to be so cold, but that's just a statement of fact. If you have thrown 85 pitches and you're at four innings, you did not do your job. I don't care if you only allowed two earned runs in four innings. 85 pitches in four innings is an unacceptable number, period. Uh, Terry, I know you haven't had a chance to weigh in. Please weigh in. Yeah, so real quick with Evaldi before I get to Hauk. I love that he's pitching well. I had very little confidence he would get back to this level, um, but he's proved me wrong. I think where he's going to prove me right, though, is he'll be hanging out with DeGrom on the injured list for something at some point. He's just not not a durable guy. And um, Texas, they... They're they're winning without a hitch, without Jake Degrom right now, and it, it just they're finding ways to win. They've got one of the best offenses in Major League Baseball. So, um, but I, I just feel like the Red Sox couldn't take a chance on on an injury prone guy and you know well, finish well, last I, again. I mean, the the issue with with Evaldi, and, and this is what to your point again, uh, Nate Evaldi between 2019 and 2022 went 23 and 15. That's an average of less than six wins a year. That does not justify the contract that he got. He got that contract based on one relief appearance in the world series against the Los Angeles Dodgers. That is why he got his contract. There's nobody on this planet that is going to be able to convince me of anything otherwise. Cause if he doesn't pitch that well in that game, there's no way he gets four years. There's no way he gets three years at that average annual value. Like value, there's there's no way. So his average ERA in that four year span was over four point one. His ERA right now two point two four. He won seventeen games in the last two years of the Red Sox in fifty two starts. Seventeen games. He has won eight in twelve so far in Texas. It helps when you have run support because I'm not going to sit here and say the Red Sox have had the most lethal offense in baseball the last couple of years because that's just a damn joke. Texas put up. It was put up or shut up in Texas. They went up and they got Marcus Semien. They overpaid to get him for 7 and 175. They overpaid to get Corey Seager. I think his deal was, I forget, it was like it was 30 some odd million over the course of what, seven years? Didn't he get like 200? 324 million. Holy crap, I forgot the number. Over how many years? Uh tw- 12. It might have been 10 actually. It's 10 or 12. Whatever. They overpaid yeah. to get Corey Seager. No other shortstop got remotely close to that. No. Nope. So, mix that with you're adding Nate Valdi, you're getting DeGrom. Like you're you're going out, you're trying to buy the big pieces. The Red Sox are countering that by saying I'll take a I'll take a Corey Kluber, please. That's what the Red Sox are doing, Cody. Yeah, I mean, as we have completely railroaded this from a Tanner Houck uh, studs and duds segment into let's you know rehash the whole Nate Evaldi thing. My my ire isn't with Nate Evaldi, right? As as we all said, we love Nasty Nate. He was the ace. He held down the rotation for us for those few years, uh, especially right after the World Series. It, it is the the frustration that I hold is is the people out there that are mad at the front office for not retaining the services of Nathan Navaldi, right? That is not, uh, I've, you know, there is a lot of blame to be placed on the front office. I will be first in line to say they have not built an adequate rotation for the first year in what feels like 
a long time we have what was a competent rotation that has now been run into the ground. There's a litany of things that you could blame the front office for. The Nathan Navaldi one is one that I don't think is is a fair thing to notch against them. Was my was my main point. That's very fair. We can go down this tangent, and I know there are a couple dishonorable mentions before we get into. Hang on, I haven't. Even oh, Terry, Terry, to... go ahead, get it. Out. I never even got out, to Hulk. One last super quick thing on Navaldi, though. <laughs> The Red Sox <laughs> offered him multiple years, which I thought was insanely Correct. stupid because he was only good for one of his previous four multiple years. 2021 saved that entire contract. And so I wanted no shares of that. And I don't think I don't think he's going to keep this up. I think he's going to get hurt. I think I think that velocity is going to come down like it did last year. It was a hip last year. He's had elbow issues. He's had ankle issues. He's just not a healthy guy. So as much as it sucks to not have that type of production in our rotation, I think it was the better long-term move to um, move on from him. Tanner Houck. Someone on Twitter, um, and I forget who it was, and if that person's a listener, I apologize, but they pointed out that Houck is a viable starter. They should be able to figure him out and make him more effective that second and third time through. And to me, it's not even a Tanner Houck thing anymore. It's a Red Sox system problem. It's a pitching program problem. Dave Bush has sucked. Our rotation, and for the most part, our bullpen, has always sucked under Dave Bush. His entire tenure, starting in 2020, they fired Dana Lavangi, who we won the World Series with, by the way, in 2018. They fired him after the 2019 season, brought on Dave Bush. And I thought, okay, good. Maybe they know something. Maybe there's something really cool and really innovative about Dave Bush. But that hasn't panned out. It's been the opposite. And I, I don't think guys like Hauk and, and perhaps even Whitlock, who pitched fairly well you know, in his return, um, and, and maybe even Bayo, who who just has pitched okay, but just can't get over that hump to deliver that gem that we're all craving. Um, to me, would it be the would it be the worst move ever to fire Dave Bush mid season and bring somebody else on? I I think the season's over anyway. But why isn't that why isn't that a bold move? in Bloom's playbook right now. If something needs to be shaken up, why is that not a move? And how, I mean, he was pitching okay. And then let's see in the fourth inning, that's kind of where trouble started. He did give up a run in the third, but the, the fourth was just absolutely terrible. Gives up a single to Luke Rayleigh walks, uh, Isaac Paredes. How many walks did how have four, uh, four walks, Four walks, and uh, and then he got a fielder's choice from Taylor Walls, but then Margot, um, you know, drove in Rayleigh and Paredes, and and Hauk was very fortunate to get a double play after that because it, it could have been a much more disastrous inning than it was. But he he was getting slapped around. He was getting absolutely slapped around, and his command wasn't good, and it was the same old Tanner Hauk, and but. I'm at the point where I'm not even blaming it on him anymore. This is a Red Sox pitching program problem. And it's always going to be this way 
with, with Dave Bush running the show with the big league club and, and with Hein Bloom not supplementing this staff with, with, you know, free agents that, that can pitch effectively. So that's my take. Fair enough. I, I really do feel like this became the, the, the Nate show for, for a quick second. couple of dishonorable mentions in this one. Uh, Kenley, unfortunately, for some odd reason, uh, was called on to pitch after striking out the side around a hit. So that a save and then a blown save and a loss. Uh, Jaron Duran continues the struggle. Two for 13 with six strikeouts. Kike Hernandez said, hold my beer. I got one better. Going one for 13. Two errors in the same game. Luckily, we were able to win uh, game one. 13 errors on the year. And he made a masterful play, saving a home run center field, which just goes to show you, even though... He said he feels more comfortable at short. I believe it. Unfortunately, numbers don't lie, and I don't think that you at short is a good solution. Unfortunately, Nick Pavetta, also on the dishonorable uh, list here, three walks, a run allowed on a hit in two-thirds of an inning. Did manage a strikeout, so that was good. But Pavetta just continues to just spiral Rafi Devers, it pains me to put him on this list. Two for 14, three walks, four strikeouts, an RBI. And then Connor Wong, I don't know if he's really dishonorable, but one for seven, did have three walks, but four strikeouts. You're just seeing an un- like ungodly amount of strikeouts here. You're seeing guys strike out in 50% of their at-bats or 45% of their at-bats, and that's just not sustainable. So anybody else that you guys want to add for dishonorable before we move into the happy part of our show? Terry. Just to add to Connor Wong, he had that terrible throw, which led to, I forget who the batter was. The batter basically touched all four bases on it because they threw the ball around. Um, and so, yeah, not not a good uh, performance from him. And for anybody thinking that Nick Pavetta belongs back in the rotation, like he's the next man up, you know, should something happen or he gets the next spot start, he needed 31 pitches to record two outs today and couldn't even get the third out left the bases loaded uh brennan bernardino came in and basically um you know basically got the the out on the next hit with a comebacker uh and then a force out to first so yeah it's not looking good it's not not looking good right now yeah uh cody anyone else you want to add yeah i mean you know we just touched on the the Connor Wong throwing error. Throwing errors are going to happen, right? You're you're throwing the baseball every day for a living. You're not going to be able to be a thousand percent. You know, even Arnado is going to have a throwing error. Um, it's the decision making for Kike that's really becoming the concerning aspect for me at shortstop, right? The the plays that he's trying to make. It feels like again, you know, we keep talking about this with this team. They're pressing when they don't need to press, and you know, then they're they're kind of creating their own errors, right? Um, even in today's game, you know, there was that chopper to Rafi at third with the guy on first and he put the ball in his back pocket and that was great to see, right? I think the Rafi of old would have tried to fire that over to first base, try to make the bang, bang play and, you know, taking out Jamai Webster in, in the camera well, which, you know, he already had another stare this weekend, so we don't need to discuss that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the decision-making of Kike at short that I think is really becoming uh, additionally concerning on top of, you know, the the lack of offensive production that he's also um, bringing to the table, but let's, let's talk about some good things, guys. Let's, uh, let's have some fun here. Yeah. 
All right, so let's move into our uh, studs. So, Terry, go ahead and hit us with your stud. Going to make it short and sweet. My stud for the series, Justin Turner, uh, had a big moment in game one. We were down, uh, let's see, we were down four to two in the uh, sixth or seventh. And uh, two outs, bases were loaded. Justin Turner hit a ball high off the monster, cleared all the bases. Um, so it was a bases clearing double the Red Sox that put us in the lead by one. I'll say if that doesn't happen, uh, the Red Sox probably go on to lose uh, game one as well without that spark that that he provided. Uh, the guys he drove in, Reese McGuire, Pablo Reyes, and then Kike Hernandez were the were the runners on that were cleared. So, uh, and then Turner uh, scored the only run in in the series uh, ending game, uh, which was a solo home run. So. Good series for him. He's had a, a hot, consistent bat. He's, you know, putting the ball in play, forcing the defense to make good plays. Um, like what he's doing, keep it up. We'll keep it short and sweet. I know Turner was struggling for a little while, but he has had the tendency to have, like, one good series, one bad one, one good one, one bad one, sometimes a couple bad ones. But when he's on, he's on. And um, I'm not going to complain when you have a bases clearing hit, a home run, another one, you're doing your job. Um, and here's the thing. Like, he came in to, to play third and, and and stay healthy, and guy took a ball off the face, and he's still playing. So let's let's be real for a second here. He's, he's doing his job, and uh, I'm not going to complain. Uh, anything else we want to add about uh, Turner here? No, nope, perfect. We'll move right in. Uh, Cody, who'd you have? Uh, Masataka Yoshida. Um, again, similar kind of concept, right? The guys, uh, he piled on in game one, uh, kind of gave us some insurance runs with a double to drive in Turner after the massive, massive uh, wall ball double that Turner had. Uh, but this guy has been not only everything we could have hoped for, but he's exceeding those expectations. Um, you know, I think he was, what, five for 16 in the series, um, two RBIs, two doubles, uh, two walks, and two strikeouts. Uh, the guy just continues to put the ball in play, get hits, um, you know, learn the monster, in my opinion, very quickly. And at the very least, has not been a, a goof out there. You know, maybe he's not making spectacular, you know, uh, catches quite yet, but he's not you know, making any forced errors. Um, and I, I tweeted out something that I thought was a little bit funny, right? Uh, Kike robbed a home run in the center in the first inning. And then uh, Verdugo got one in the in the second. And I was like, boy, like <laughs> Rob Ressider's got uh, his work cut out for him here and left. Uh, just kind of tied in the left field there. But um, he's just been an absolute delight. And, you know, he's been incorporated into our home run ce uh, celebration. And um, he's just he's continued to produce you know he had a little bit of a lull as he was trying to get adjusted to the high fastball we kind of talked about it a little bit on the pod how you know is he going to be able to make that adjustment that's a pitch you don't really see um in the japanese baseball league and for all intent and purposes i think he has made that adjustment he's still batting over 300 on the season um you know all of his statistics look good uh it's just been it's been nice um, to say the least he's been just a, a consistent producer for this team yeah, I mean, uh, Terry, anything you want to throw in first? I was just going to say, short and sweet, the dude is a machine. That's my take. Yeah, um, he has only struck out, I believe, once this month. I don't think he uh, struck out in the last – did he strike out? He did strike out in game four. So um, he's he's doing his job. I mean, 
he did make the adjustment. Cody already kind of talked about that for a little bit. Um, this is someone who was hitting a little over 250 in the first month and then came up in the second month in May and was hitting over 350. Talk about making an adjustment, adding over 100 batting average points. You're clearly doing your job, and now you're hitting 330 in the month of June. I think this guy's here to say he's proven to us that he can hack it. I mean, at the end of May, this is someone that had back four, four or five games in a row with two hits or more. So he's starting to stay on the train. He's getting on base. He's knocking runs in. You know, he's he's been worth it. So that that's my take on that. Anything you want to add to that, Cody? Cool. Um, my stud for this one, albeit I guess you could say this is an arguable one, uh, Brian Bale has to thank his outfielders for having as good of a game as he probably did. And Cody already talked about the uh, the home run thefts earlier from Verdugo and from Kike. Uh, but Bayo was my stud for the series. Um, going six innings, got that quality start, allowed three runs in six uh, on six hits, struck out six, no home runs, just the one walk through 100 pitches. Um, I can't ask for more. I mean, when you're when you're going and you're pitching six, you're doing your job. Uh, unfortunately, the team was not able to rally around him, but um, he's he's been consistent. I mean, three out of the last four starts, he's been really really. I'd say really good in relation to some of the other guys that we have in this rotation. So Ryan Bayo, again, we'll try to make it short and sweet. That was my stud. Uh, Cody, anything you want to add? I thought it looked good. Obviously, you know, he kind of got lucky there at the beginning of those first two innings uh, with those great plays in center and in right. But then he got equally unlucky. You know, this, uh, I think it was in the fifth inning uh, to give up those three runs um, just on, on just soft contact, right? Um, but, you know, such as the game, I, I still like the way that he was playing today, the way that he was able to, you know, kind of work through it. Um, a lot of promise there, short and sweet. Not a lot to add. I mean, I, I just want to see a little bit more, and I, I feel selfish for saying that because he, by far, I mean, who do you want? Between Bayo and Kluber, who do you want? Between Bayo and Pavetta, who do you want? Between Bayo and Crawford, who do you want? So I feel like I'm unreasonably asking for him to do so much more, but I, I don't think he's quite near his ceiling. I, I think the best is yet to come, and uh, it'll probably be when we hire the next pitching coach. Right on. So uh, that was our studs. A couple honorable mentions here. You've got Doogie, who went... Six for 18, couple RBIs, three strikeouts, surprisingly high for 18 at-bats for him, striking out one of every six at-bats. couple runs scored, couple singles, but the big one was the uh, two-double-triple game. Uh, just could not be retired. He just was, he was just on a damn mission to carry the team, and unfortunately, you know, the rest of the team couldn't rally around it. Did score a couple runs, but, you know, when you get – three, four extra base hits. If you don't score, that's the rest of the team not doing their job, you know, kind of finishing up the, uh, the task of, of knocking you in. Uh, Caleb Ort also did well, two innings, three strikeouts. Uh, Brandon Bernardino was the, the big surprise in the bullpen. Two appearances, three and a third innings pitched, did have three hits, five strikeouts, though. Struck out four in two innings in one game and then one in the other going one and a third. And then Reese McGuire, one for three, a couple runs scored and a walk. I put him on there. I, I'm curious to know how we would have done. He's kind of been very invisible this year, so I figured why not highlight him? He had a really good game. Um, we can talk about it. Anything else that you folks wanted to uh, add to honorable mentions? Uh, 
Uh, well, just real quick in case we forget. So um, normally we would do the series preview. We've decided to separate that from this show. So every week it's going to be released later in the day. So, so you know, the, the first show of the rotation is typically uploaded at midnight. You know, the third shifters and then the early morning commuters will have it. And then later in the afternoon, that same day, we will release a separate 10 to 15 minute uh, series uh, preview predictions, all that. Absolutely. So that is going to wrap it for all of us here tonight. We want to thank all of our loyal listeners and to our first time listeners as well. We appreciate all of you, whether this is your first 100th or 1000th time with us. And whether you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere that podcasts are available, we appreciate you as well. Everyone have a great night. Take care.